Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today, we're speaking with Venice Lau, an international freelancer and the founder of Flip, an events and marketing company in Tokyo, Japan. Venice will tell us about how she moved countries several times before starting Flip, using her international experience to create a unique offering. Venice will also tell us how she pivoted to launch a second passion project business, an online platform, once COVID had hit. She'll also talk about starting passion projects, delegating effectively, and how culture can inspire freelance innovation. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, Venice. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Very good. And where are you calling us from? Right now, I'm actually in Hong Kong, but I'm based out of Japan, Tokyo. Beautiful. I love Tokyo. And it's such a cool city. Yeah. I was about to say I just went to Hong Kong for the first time last year, but that was actually the year before because all of 2020 is like a year that I don't even remember happened. (laughs) Um, Did you like it? um, I did enjoy Hong Kong. I thought I enjoyed Hong Kong more than any other city I've been to in China for sure. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it was really interesting. I was actually there uh, right in the middle of the protests. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was strange. Very um, interesting time. Mm. Yeah. But they'd taken—the protesters had taken the day off. They were very organized, <laughs> and they knew which days that they were going to protest. Oh. Yeah. And it was one of their off days, but you could still see all of the art and all of the, like, beautiful—they had, like, post-it note walls and things— that they had done. So it was really interesting yeah. to see it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, do you want to tell us a bit about you and where you grew up and how you became the woman that you are today? Yeah, for sure. So I am actually born in Hong Kong. I was born um, a while ago <laughs> and I lived in Australia. So I lived in Sydney for six years for high school. Okay. Um, and then after, after that, I moved to Japan. So I moved to Tokyo, studied Japanese, and then um, basically went to university there, started my business and yeah that's my like a short version of my journey oh my gosh and and how do all of those different cultures compare would you say what's the main differences that you've noticed between Hong Kong Sydney and Japan Tokyo yeah um I think every single place I've been like lived in has been so different but at the same time time contributed to like how I am right now like the person I am today yeah. um Hong Kong was very much about you know like I was such a nerd back then I was all about studying and just you know like <laughs> acing all the exams um in Australia I actually got a music scholarship to go to high school wow. so I was just practicing music and just you know like I actually didn't speak any English when I moved there. So it was quite difficult for me. Oh my gosh. Um, but then, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it was, uh, it was quite interesting, but I loved it. Um, and then moving to Japan, I think Japan is the country that is so different than any other country in the whole entire world. 
And there's like, you know, the culture, part, like the cultural part, the um, traditions and the business part and just everything is so different. And it's amazing to see, you know, all of those different coaches um, and having lived in all these different places. So absolutely yeah. loved it. Huh. So do you feel so do you feel like that shaped you as an entrepreneur, as an independent person? Um, independent contractor mm-hmm. or whatever, like how did, like, because you, like three very different cultures you've experienced now, um, how did it affect who you became as a professional? Yeah, I think, um, I guess I'll talk more about it later on, but a big part of my business is about um, connecting different cultures and different people together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I help a lot of international brands expand into Japan and help different local companies reach um, international audiences so it's very much about you know like breaking that barrier and um, letting different people experience different cultures different ways of living different lifestyles and just you know using different promotional um, methods and Mm -hmm. um, different ways to reach people all you know like all all over the world so yeah yeah, it's definitely um, shaped what I do today. I'm so intrigued by Japan. Like when I visited Tokyo, Mm -hmm. I remember being so blown away by this place because it was so culturally different from anywhere I'd ever visited before. Mm -hmm. There was no signs in English. You had to really kind of hustle (laughs) to get get around. I remember spending two hours in the subway trying to figure out how to use the train system (laughs) on the first day. Uh, Word. Yeah, Yeah, they don't have any English translations in a lot of the subway stations. It's crazy. um, I'm so impressed that you went from Hong Kong knowing no English to Sydney and and learning English throughout high school how did you find then moving to Japan and having to start all over again with a new language and a new culture yeah um I I mean for me because I actually moved to Sydney by myself as well when I was 11 so I Mm -hmm. didn't have my family with me and it was so tough but because I had that experience, I think moving to Japan wasn't as hard as it, it might what it might have been if I hadn't, yeah. you know, like moved to Sydney by myself. Um, and, you know, because I love Japan and I had been so many times before I decided to move there. So it was not like, you know, jumping into the deep end into a country I've never been before. So it was still, you know, people are very nice in Japan. So yes, it yeah. made it quite um, easy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then you, so you studied there. What did you study? Oh my gosh, I studied social sciences, which to this day, I have no idea what that really is. <laughs> I studied like a mix, a mix of like sociology, like mm. psychology, like philosophy. I'm not even kidding. Like I, I really studied a bit of everything, um, which I mean, it was a good experience because I took my entire degree in Japanese. So all my courses, all my classes were in Japanese. Yeah. Um, so it forced me to learn Japanese. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a pretty interesting experience. Yeah, wow. And so then, wow. So you've so how many languages do you know then? Um four. So Cantonese, <laughs> Mandarin, English, and Japanese. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> that is very incredible. I'm I I've been trying to learn French since I was like seventeen. I'm now thirty seven. Yeah. It's and that, like and barely that's the same there. script as well. <laughs> like <laughs> you can at least make phonetic sounds out of the words on the paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to have people write no, actually, things down. I'm also learning French. Yeah, I'm also learning French at the moment, and it's so hard. 
I, you know what though? I bet you'll learn it faster than I have over mm. the past 20 years. <laughs> so there you go. Um, no, but I think the thing is like, um, when it comes to languages, cause I was like immersed in that environment and I had to learn it. So mm. that's how like, you know, like I managed to pick it up so quickly, mm. but for French, for example, like I have no one around me. I mean, I have friends and my boyfriend's French, but yeah. like he doesn't really bother like teaching me. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, if I go to France and force myself to do it, I think I can do it better. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So it does take a lot of time for sure. And being around the culture helps as well because it just all feels so much more natural. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you grew up in yeah. um, uh, a Chinese culture, obviously, but in Hong Kong specifically, which is different, I think, than any other place in China. Of course, I've only been to a couple places in China, but I definitely would say um, <laughs> it's very unique, Hong Kong. Um, but now you're in mm-hmm. Japan and the culture, although it's influenced mm-hmm. by China, is so unique. Um, what would you say are the cultural differences and and the things that kind of drew you to Japan um, to start your business or to live or everything? Yeah. Um, so actually, my mom studied Japanese, and that's why I decided to also like kind of follow her footsteps and um, just go and try and study. And during that period of time, I realized that most people think of Japan as a country that has, you know, ninjas and sushis and yeah. ramen and all like, you know, all the beautiful things. But there's so many other things that people don't notice. So most people know Tokyo and like maybe Osaka or Kyoto, but there are so many different places around Japan that are amazing. And basically through, you know, I, I actually committed to just studying one year there, just doing Japanese. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I I just like made like became friends with all these different people, and then you know like had the opportunity to travel and doing some part time work for different companies. And I realized that there's just so many things that people don't notice, and I just want to kind of shine the spotlight on all these different smaller, less well known, off the beaten path places. Mm. And that's how I kind of started. Yeah. So that's how you started. Flip was from experiencing like all these amazing like travel destinations around Japan that that no one knew anything about well actually let me give you like a like a funny version of this story please do I got started with my business (laughs) um so I went into university and I was like okay I really want to do events I love events I want to host events and basically in Japan events are kind of serious so you're supposed to you know make a huge proposal and like mark down you know like at 402 we're gonna do this at 405 we're gonna do that so it was very strict and that's not the kind of event that I want to do so I started going clubbing basically (laughs) going to parties talking to different people um and I realized that there's such a huge market in the nightlife industry because night Nightlife in Japan is very different from like, say, in Australia or even Hong Kong or any other place I've ever been. So mm-hmm. I was like, OK, I want to try to, you know, like immerse like different coaches through nightlife. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like adding the international um, way of partying, the different, um, you know, like the different themes. So I did, for example, like toga parties and like, <laughs> um, oh. like really random ones. Um, and it was really fun. And um, so wait, I slowly, you brought the keg you know, party to Tokyo? Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Did you have red I solo cups? Ran, I, <laughs> Yes, yes. So <laughs> I actually ran the first ever toga party in Japan, like the first official toga party in uh-huh. Japan. Um, and uh, yeah, we had like, 
I think 800 people that came. Um, and it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. We did like beer pong and like, um, beer bong and all those oh things. Oh my gosh. So, that's so funny. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So through doing that, um, I kind of shifted it slowly because I started working with different brands. So I worked with, for example, Red Bull. I worked with um, Budweiser, Brooklyn Brewery, a lot of um, entertainment brands. And like I've worked with Tinder as well. Um, Just kind of like, you know, through all these like collaborations, I, you know, like started doing PR events and marketing campaigns for these different brands. And that's how Flip started. So it's like from doing just mainly nightlife events for university students to more like established events to, you know, working with brands and um, in national companies. Wow, what a real like grounds up story. Like you really, that, that's incredible. <laughs> that is fun. Thank you. <laughs> what was one of the, one of your most favorite and successful events that you did during this time? Yeah, um, I would say, so it has nothing to do with nightlife, this one, but um, actually, can I say two? <laughs> yeah, yes, please. please tell us about it. <laughs> okay, so one was a, um, so it was a more nightlife one. It was a beach music festival. Um, again, it was like one of the, not first ever, but like with the, I had like paragliding, I had like fireworks. It was insane. Um, it was a lot of fun. So I did a music festival. Um, and the second one was a, uh, actually like a, it was an event for an NGO. So they were, they're called Tell Japan. They're a suicide prevention awareness, Mm -hmm. um, like a nonprofit organization. And I ran their annual, um, like fun, uh, like uh, charity event where we had people running up Tokyo Tower. So we had, I think, over 500 people that came. We had, we made it into like a little event with like food and drinks and people could like run, run up and we had a lot of great sponsors and we raised the most money ever. And that was so amazing. We just, you know, like you feel so rewarding yeah. for doing something, not just like for the sake of money, but like giving back and helping other people. So that was amazing. I That's loved incredible. it. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. How cool. So fulfilling. So you just started kind of throwing these parties and doing these things and then all of a sudden brands kind of approached you or did you have a, a plan to work with brands more or like how did you make, originally make those connections and how do you continue to make those connections? Yeah. That's such a great question. Um, I think I had no plan to be honest. <laughs> um, I, I, I honestly fell into doing nightlife events and then I fell into working with brands because I was thinking, you know, like I wanted sponsors to help out with, you know, like take some of the cost away basically. And I, I had a friend that worked at Red Bull. So I talked to Red Bull and then through working with more and more brands, it just kind of like, you know, like kept coming and I loved different opportunities. I don't really say no, unless it's something that completely doesn't align with me or like doesn't align with my business. Mm -hmm. Um, so it kind of just happened, yeah. Mm. Interesting. So it's more like referral or whatever. Like you do one and then someone else would approach you or something like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very cool. So um, tell us about what happened since COVID hit. Mm. So you, you're you an event business. Um, there's a pandemic. Mm. So what happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, so when – okay, so right before actually uh, COVID hit – I was in tourism business as well. So like what I was saying, I was kind of um, showcasing different off the beaten path and hidden gems around Japan. Mm -hmm. And I was working with the government on this. I was working with the tourism boards and we had like huge 
research projects. And um, we had, you know, obviously Olympics was going to happen in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So we actually was, we were going to help them with some of the um, sponsors, marketing and their events, which is going to be massive. And I was so excited. 2020 came and I was like, yes, this is going to be the year of my oh, life. Oh. And, you know, like everything disappeared. Yeah. Um, so, I mean for don't get me wrong for a few months I was lost I was super lost I was like okay so it's gonna be fine right like it's gonna be okay <laughs> it's gonna so end I just soon, kind right? of kept like waiting May. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so um after a while I decided okay instead of like like I should just stop beating the dead horse and just let you know like do something different so I started talking to a lot of entrepreneurs online and I realized that a lot of people are super overwhelmed. Um, there are so many courses, so many coaches, so many programs and softwares and just there's so many things online, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it just, you know, like you, you don't know how to even start a business anymore. Mm. So what I've basically done is I started a new project helping entrepreneurs connect with the right mentors and right resources. Um so I have basically like a platform where I feature different people that I can vouch for and I love. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you want to learn about Instagram? Check out these people. They're fantastic. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's something that I started. And I also have like a podcast show as well where I interview different experts and um, talk about, you know, like, like just share actionable tips instead of fluff, like no yeah. fluff, <laughs> yeah. just actionable tips. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. What's your podcast called? Um, it's called Your Entrepreneur Resources. Your Entrepreneur Resources. And what is your platform where you review entrepreneurs? Yeah. Um, so it's just on my website. It's called yourentrepreneurresources.com. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Super long. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. And what is your, so what is your qualifications for the entrepreneurs that you choose? Yeah. Um, I mean, I honestly don't, like, I, I'm not like, okay, fill out this, like, massive exam and then, like, <laughs> see if it works (laughs) none of that but um I mean a lot of the people that I have on the platform I've talked to at least so if they're coaches then I'll be like okay so like how would you you know like um approach like just like have a conversation basically Mm -hmm. and I think um that just really helps me know what kind of person they are and what kind of people they might be good for because just because they might work well with me doesn't mean that they work well with like other people Mm -hmm. um and then with people that have courses I have basically like taken all of them and just um and I write reviews about them um I tell people you know like what's good about them what's not good about them and yeah just be as honest and genuine as possible because I think you know sometimes online it can be very fake and there can be a lot of um you know like you know what I mean Mm, (laughs) just yeah trying to be honest yeah paid for reviews and things like that can you getcha um Mm -hmm. So with your so now you've got the two businesses. The one business, Flip Productions, is maybe on hold until the pandemic settles down, and then you've got the other one. Mm-hmm. What are your plans in the future? Do you know what you're going to do with these two businesses, or um, what are you thinking? Because the pandemic hopefully will not yeah. last forever, eh? Mm. Oh my gosh, I hope not. <laughs> Same. Um, so actually, with the with Flip, like some projects are coming back already. So I'm like um, currently helping to promote these islands that are part of Tokyo that nobody knows about. Um, mm. There are 11 actually 
they're really beautiful. You can like swim with the dolphins. You can go like whale watching.、Wow. Um, so I am helping them out with some of their projects, and I am still running your entrepreneur resources. And for me, I think it's very much about delegating. Um, so I have people helping me out with, for example, social media content, helping me out with editing the show after my、uh, after the interviews. Yeah.、Um, I have people helping me out with like finding influencers and the communication.、Um, and I love my work. That's the thing. Like for me, like I love it so much that I I'm like sitting in front of my computer maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. But、um, you know, like yeah. So I mean, I outsource quite a bit of work, but I try to kind of.、Um, Yeah, try to do what I can. Yeah, that's it. What are your tips for outsourcing? Because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who kind of struggle to delegate or let go, let go of the control <laughs> of their、yeah. product. Like, how do you、um, vet people when you're when you're finding people to help you out? And what are your tips around that? Yeah,、um, I think for me, a hundred percent. I think so many entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs, are in love with their work, and I, I am like I. I Am ish, I guess, but you know you can't be in love. You can you can love it, but don't be in love with it. Because when、yeah. you're in love with it, you would not let it go. It's like, you know, like you you wouldn't even trust anyone else to even touch it.、Yeah. So I think the key is to kind of understand that okay, like I if I am so in love with it, it would never grow. Like、yeah. I need to love it, but let it go a little bit, just so other people can help me out.、Mm. Um, because if you're head over heels over this thing. Your passion, your fire, won't last forever.、Yeah. So it's very much about you know letting go a little bit、um, and finding other people that are equally passionate about the project as you are,、um, because I think a hundred percent it's hard to find people that will see the vision as well as you do.、Mm. But it's about communication at the end of the day, just like any other any relationship really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Um, so just communicate, find someone that's passionate. And just trust your instincts as well, and know that you know, like, don't expect someone to jump on board and be like a like a clone of yourself. It's、yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, it's going to take time. Yeah, beautiful. That's good advice. That's such a good、uh, balance. Like, start projects you're passionate about, but then delegate when、mm-hmm. they start to become too much, or、mm-hmm. when you have you know、mm-hmm. something that's grown beyond your reach. Um, I think that、mm-hmm. that's definitely, and then having the two income streams or two potential income streams is really important too, right? Because it's definitely,、yeah. I mean, if you can manage it, it's definitely beneficial to have, you know, one income stream that can kind of crank up when the other one is <laughs> and stuck in a pandemic. Yeah, because like this time、yeah. last year, we would have had no idea that the global travel industry would have. Been affected like it has, right, like、yeah. it, it was inconceivable.、Yeah. You just never know what's around the corner. I think having two income streams is very wise. That's awesome.、Mm-hmm. Absolutely, awesome. Well, I mean, is there any other piece of advice that you'd give to other women out there who are starting their own passion projects and creating their own platforms or things like that? So, I think the first one is just do it. Um, so many, especially women entrepreneurs, like female entrepreneurs, are such perfectionists. And you know, like you want to get your logo like perfect. You want to make sure your website、mm. is like the best website you've ever seen in your life. And you know, like waiting for your Instagram to have at least ten thousand followers before you start,、um, you know, like selling something.、Mm. And just you know, like instead of like waiting for things to be perfect or keep trying to like、um, making your website look good. I mean, it's important. Don't get me wrong,、um, but you know, just do it. Just it's so important to just like click the publish button and just 
get going. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. my first tip. Um, and my second one is to validate your idea. So yes, you should jump in and do it. But at the same time, also make sure there's there are people out there that want to pay for your products. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there are people out there that love what you, you offer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so important. So I, I've actually done, I've started two startup businesses that failed because I didn't validate. I was like, I love it. I'm just going to do it because I would <laughs> buy it. But yeah. I didn't realize no one else would. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah that's good so validating I think it's so important Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting like we can fall in love with the thing that we want to do yeah right like I I love Mm -hmm. knitting (laughs) knitting, crocheting baby (laughs) hats right but like how many baby hats can I crochet and how many people want to buy baby hats that are handmade Mm, I don't know not that many probably (laughs) would you I'll make you one for free (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean like validating the thing like can you actually make a living from what you want to do yeah and I think you made a good point Mm -hmm. earlier about when you're so in love with your business then it's hard to let go you kind of have to Mm -hmm. validate with that in mind as well that you might still love your idea Mm -hmm. but it might just not be right in its current form it could just need a little pivot Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one for anybody, like whether you're working for a company or working for your own company. It's like, Mm -hmm. I really don't fall too in love with your own projects Mm. because you've got to be able to Mm -hmm. let them go of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Beautiful. it's really, really great to speak to you, Venice, and very inspiring. You're our first guest that we've had a business in Tokyo and Japan, so it's been amazing to Well, hear and you're the talk. first Yay. person to call us from Hong Kong <laughs> yeah. as well. So, Yay! I ticked off two boxes in one call. I love you it. You really did. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, and we've reached out and connected on all platforms that, we've, that you're on. So... Um, very cool. So if someone wants to eventually hire you for an event or right now, um, find your entrepreneurial resources, where do they find them? Um, so you can find my website at yourentrepreneurresources.com mm-hmm. and my handle is yourentrepreneurresources everywhere. So you can find me on Instagram, send me a DM, um, just hit me up. Yeah. I love to chat. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much. We'll chat with you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.